Good morning. Um, it's really good to see you. If you got a Bible this morning, go to Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 3. Uh, the title of the message today is Like an Arrow. That's the name of the message. And um, I actually, when, we, when the church started, um, actually before the church started, about a year and a half, of, about a year before the church started, uh, God woke me up with three pictures. And it was a picture of a fountain, a picture of an arrow, and a picture of a bridge. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about that second picture, the picture of an arrow that God put in my heart. The arrow speaks of, in this context, it speaks of you. It speaks of me. It speaks of the fact that each one of us, God is designing for a specific purpose. And God wants each one of us to hit the mark. So I'm going to read this and then we'll, we'll pray. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shallow of his hand, the shadow of his hand, he hid me, and he made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. Let's pray. God, I, I'm asking that you would speak to our hearts today, that we would hear a word from your heart to us. God, I thank you for every person here that said yes to you, but I also just pray for every person here, God, everyone that you're calling and saying, you're calling our name. Come on close. I, and I pray this morning, God, that we would hear a word from heaven. We just say, God, just like Samuel, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We ask God that my words wouldn't be remembered, but God's words be remembered. Whatever you have to say through me, God, let that stick in our heart today. And everyone said, amen. amen. So that first verse, the Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He called you. He called me. He specifically is calling each one of us. And what's really fun about this is Kat came up to me in the middle of the service and said, hey, I feel like God has something he wants me to say about calling. And so, uh, Kat, I'm going to pull you up. And why don't you share what you're going to share? This is not quite... Um, about calling, but what he put on my heart this morning and told me to bring my book. <laughs> and I thought, okay, whatever, Lord. Um, but in this time and era, we're in a time of, I believe, is what God has put together. Because in his word, it says, what can be shaken will be shaken. Okay? And um, we're learning, I have a class, and we're learning about the heart of God, wanting the heart of God, okay? So um, in this book, it says that he sings over us with love. He sings, he gives us joyful hearts. You know, we serve a God that, um, excuse me, <laughs> we serve a God that's, um, his banner over us is love, Grab that, you know, because it says in, it says in um, the times of shaking. Uh, yeah, you 
hold it, you hold it, okay? Um, in the times of shaking, it says fear will be uh, the one prominent emotion worldwide. And we're seeing that with COVID and whatever, fear, fear, fear this, fear that. But that's not the heart of God, okay? And it says he promises that he will comfort and quiet his people in reading songs and of his affection and gladness. He will be calm, let's see, he will be calmed on the inside by his revelation. Intimacy with the glad God will nourish our souls and sustain the church in the midst of an unexpected calamity, which we are coming into. Yeah. It's like we can't go back to what's normal anymore. God is doing a new thing. And look to him. Things are getting going to get real weird. Okay? But we have a God that sings over us. Yeah. We have a God that loves us with an un, you know, it's so deep and so wide. I just, I got into this and it's just like threw me on my face. It's so deep, right? And so um, this is not a time for the body of Christ to fear. This is a time for us to look to our God and say, you are all in all to me, right? And so I just encourage the body of Christ, seek him out while he can be found. Because right now is the time of the end, ending times. And if you're interested, we still have two books. Come to my class. Learn the heart of God, okay? Amen. Thank you for this. Ask your cat a hand. You know, when you get called on, you ever been called on at Blessed City? Probably half of you, yes. Or called on in class and someone says your name, the teacher says your name, and you're really hoping you have the answer. You know, God calls us, and he's not going to call you and leave you flat-footed. He's going to give you exactly everything you need to do what you're called to do. You know, it says, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. Now, this is Isaiah, and Isaiah had a calling on his life to do something with God. He was, he was meant to be a, a preacher to the people. He was meant to be an encourager to the people, to, to challenge them in their places where they weren't doing it right. And here's this guy, here's this guy that God is calling and saying, I pick you. Now, if you uh, were in grade school like me, anybody do the whole kickball at recess? And that was like the ultimate to find out how much you were liked in school, Right. You would pick, well, this guy's really good at kicking, and this guy, well, they're my friends, so all the 17 girls all go over here. And then, the, you know, they go back and forth, back and forth, until finally, was this ever you? It was me a couple times. It's like you and the other kid, and you're really hoping that you don't get picked last. Anybody ever been there? Just me. Okay, awesome, all right. But God picks us. He picks us for his team. He picks us and he says, I have a specific purpose for you. I have a specific plan for your life. You have a very specific role. And God's like, I'm calling you by name. And in this, I, I'm, really recognizing, um, I'm really recognizing that God is saying this about us. He's saying, 
I've made you in my image. Now, I was, I was processing that thought the other day. What does it mean to be made in God's image? Think of it like being made as a representative of his desires, of his plans, of, of his character. God made mankind, seven billion of us, in his image. And the whole point was that the world would see who he is. And we are made in his image for that reason. He's calling us. I was talking to a kid, this is a few years ago, and he was driving his car, and he was like, God, I don't know if you're real. God, would you, would you do something? And it was in the middle of a summer, and he was driving in Spokane right through the middle of an intersection. It hadn't been raining, nothing going on, and his car, he was driving, did a full, th- right after he prayed this, his car did a full 360 and kept going. And to him, that was like, oh, God's real. And I want, I want you to know for everybody in here searching to say, like, like, I just need to know if God is real. Does God know my name? Does God see that I exist? God is not afraid of us to ask that question. He wants to reveal himself to each person and show like, yeah, I'm calling. I'm calling your name. The Lord called me from the womb, from my body of my mother. He named my name. Sometimes, though, I think we wonder, where is he? And I, I just recognize that God is, is so clearly re- wanting to reveal himself today. I, I really, I really want to resonate with what you said, Kat. Um, it says this later in the next verse. It says, he made my mouth like a sharp, t- sharp sword, and in the shadow of his hand he hid me. God shapes and he hides us. See, there's a progression between what God wants to do in your life. First thing that God does in your life is he calls you. The next thing after he calls you is he does a process of shaping and hiding you. And it's never fun to get hidden. And frankly, it's not fun to get shaped either. Jeremiah says this in the book of Jeremiah chapter 18 God said to Jeremiah, he says, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And so Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, goes down to the prophet's house. And God says this, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down there, and there was the potter working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. You guys, sometimes God takes us as lumps of clay and he's shaping us and he's molding us and sometimes things get twisted or maybe they're not right and then he starts, you ever had this? God starts putting his thumb on the wheel on your life and there starts to be an indent in your life or something starts to get shifted and moved and through circumstances, through experiences, through different stuff, there is a reworking in our heart and I have found that God sometimes will increase my capacity. He'll, he's shifting me. He's, he's changing me. He's molding me. And in the process of him molding me, nothing seems like it's working. You ever been there? Where you're, you're getting shaped, you're getting molded, and, and it's like God is making you into like this bigger pot, but all you experience is that there's more empty space. You, you're not seeing God work in your life. You're not feeling like awesome things are happening. All you know is that there's a lot of transition happening. There's a lot of change, and it's hard. 
And if you've been through any sort of a, of a life change, you know that transition takes a lot of energy. It's a lot of work to become something. You look at the process of a caterpillar, and you guys probably all know this, but a caterpillar goes into its cocoon, and while they're in the cocoon, their entire body, guess what, gets liquefied. And in there then, this new skeletal structure forms, and they're in there, they're becoming a butterfly, but in the process, did you know that if you opened up the cocoon of a butterfly, and even if it's all fully formed, it couldn't fly? Because part of the process of the butterfly actually being able to fly is it needs to force its way out of the cocoon. It has to break through where it's at to spread its wings to become something. And this is where some of you are at today, is you're in this process where everything around you is totally getting changed. You're, you're like, where am I? What's happening? God is transforming you. It's not comfortable. And now God says, now keep pushing. Don't stop. Because in the process of you pressing through this, you're becoming something. I'm building strength in you. I'm, I'm making you that sharpened arrow. And if each one of us is an arrow today, some of us, you might be like, you know, like the, the shaft might be a little bit bent because of some things you went on. Some of you, maybe the tip of your, of your arrow is a little blunt and God needs to sharpen it up. Some of you just need some feathers and, and you're, otherwise if you got shot, you'd go that way. And we got something that's going to be so eager for God to do something in our life that we forget that there's a process to becoming what he's made us to be. When I was 13 years old, I was in Hope, BC, and I might have told this story before, but I, God showed me the vision of my life, and I had this whole grand picture, and, and God showed me this picture of this, like, combine and, like, all this cool stuff with revival and transformation, and I was 13. I'm like, cool. I'm called to be a, an evangelist. It's time to go. And in my 13 years of wisdom, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. But God had a few more things for me to learn, actually a lot, a lot for me to learn. Banning Leapshire, favorite, one of my favorite preachers, he said, about the time you think you're ready, you need a little more time. And God's not slow in keeping his promises, but he doesn't want us to have a train wreck on the way. The Lord called me from the womb, from the mouth, from the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. If you're going to make a polished arrow, you need to do a few things to it. One, you need to strengthen it. You need to sharpen it. You need to test it. And then eventually, you need to release it. God is in the process of strengthening us, sharpening us, testing us, and he will release you. When I was at Northwest University, I was um, on campus, and I've been there, and I love, I love like, being involved. And uh, I, it was my first year there, and, and uh, I wanted to be in student leadership. So I asked God about it. I'm like, hey, could I, you know, be the RA of my floor? And God said, no. Okay. 
well, there's these traveling school ministry teams and they travel all around the state and they sing and they do this stuff. And God, can I be involved in that? And God said, no. And then I thought, well, maybe I could be in like student leadership and I could, you know, run for student body president or whatever. And God said, no. In fact, so many of the opportunities that I wanted to do, God simply just kept saying, nope, nope, nope. And frustratedly, one day I turned to God and I'm like, well, God, what can I do? And he said this, you can pray. Oh, gee, God, thanks. So there was these prayer meetings at Northwest on Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings at 8, 8 in the morning. And there was this older gal. Um, and it's funny because I'm 38 and I think she was 30. So that's funny that I'm calling her an older gal. And every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, she would be there from, um, from 8 to 9 and she would be praying. And I felt like God said, I want you to join Arlene and pray. So I would show up and it was me and Arlene and like three other people. And we gathered up in the front and nothing really all that epic happened. And we would get together and we would just pray for the campus and we'd pray for each other and, and then we were done and we'd go to class. So I, I would do this and, and for the whole year, that's what I did. And then the next year, a guy comes up to me, the, the campus chaplain guy says, hey, Jeremy, would you and, uh, and, a, and a couple friends of yours, would you guys be willing to lead uh, the prayer ministry at Northwest? And I said, okay. So now we, we start leading it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just doing these simple prayer times. And then a few extra people came. And so then we added a couple prayer times and now it's um, morning and noon at night. And so we actually have nine different prayer meetings and all these people start showing up. And then we had a campus worship night that started and a whole bunch of people came and God was starting to heal people. A lady that was demon possessed got delivered. There was all this cool, crazy stuff that happened. And it was a really fun year. At the end of the year, I graduated from Northwest, and I was sitting up at the front, just journaling to myself, and I felt like God said this simple thing to me. Two things. One, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Don't feel like God is jipping you when he gives you something simple to do. And two, never forget the foundation that you stood there, that you stand on. The success that we saw at Northwest was directly attributed to Arlene showing up Monday, Wednesday, Friday, often by herself, praying and saying, God, do something in my campus. Anybody in Christ that has seen any measure of success, I bet you behind them, I know for certain behind them, is someone quietly praying with no fanfare, with nobody cheering their name or saying, great sermon, they are just quietly saying, oh God, come. My mom's mom, my, my Oma, she prayed for my family, my parents' family, for like 40 years, quietly just prayed for the salvation of her kids, prayed that God's safety over her family. My great-grandmother, other side, same thing, a woman of prayer who sought God her entire life. I know that my life is directly impacted because of my grandmother praying for me. My dad actually said that when she passed away, he's like he felt something leave. Like he felt like there was like a strength that wasn't quite there anymore. Don't, over don't underestimate your simple obedience. 
Because your simple obedience is leaving the mark for the next thing that's going to happen. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. And sometimes, not only does God shape us and test us, but he hides us. And if you're like me, that can be a very aggravating thing. You have talents, you have desires, you have things you want to do. And God is saying, I'm going to hide you away. I'm going to put you in my quiver. And no one's even going to know that you're there. The arrow's sharp. The arrow's strong. The arrow's been tested. It's ready to be released. And God's like, yep, we're going to put it away. It's dark. No one knows. And all you know is that, God, I'm just trying to be ready for whatever you have for my life. And it's in that spot, this is what Isaiah said in verse 4. Isaiah said this in verse 4. He says, I have labored in vain. I spent my strength for nothing and for vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense, my reward is with my God. Hey, you know, I I really tried to be faithful. I'm doing all the right things. And God puts you inside his quiver and it's dark in there and nothing's happening. And you're like, what's the deal? Man, this was all for naught. What the heck am I doing? But right before that, I love this verse three, it says this. And he said to me, And let me just say this to you like God's saying it to you. You are my servant in whom I will be glorified. I will have my way in your life. Don't you worry. Don't you get despondent. Don't don't give up. I will have my way in your life. Just trust me in the process. But God, it's dark in here. Nothing's going right. What's happening? God says, trust me. I will have my way in your life. Anybody alive out there? I love Isaiah's heart because he says, I've labored in vain. I spent my strength in vain. Yet. Yet, I know who God is. I know that when I pray, things change. I don't always see it right away, but I know that he is the God that meets me. I know that I know that I know. Anybody like that out there? You know that you know that you know. Even when you don't know, you know. And I love this. Verse 5, God starts, just keeps talking to him because he's really bummed out. And he says, and now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord that, the, that my God has become my strength. You are honored in the eyes of God. As his servant, you are not dishonored, you are honored. But God says this to his servant. Is it too light a thing that you should be called my servant? Hey, do, do you really think that it's not worthwhile? to serve me? Do you think it's just a little thing that I called your name and said, I pick you? 
Is it a small thing that the God of the universe looks out and says, I have a specific plan for your life? Is that just a little thing? No. Don't despise small beginnings. Fasten your seatbelts. Get ready for what God has. Step in. If he called you, he will release you. But will you be willing to stay in the quiver while he's doing the process? Galatians says this, and this is such a good word. Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the right time, everybody say right time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What you sow, you will reap. What are you sowing? What are you investing in your life, in your world, around you? It will become a harvest. A harvest of what? What are you sowing? What are you sowing in the world around you? What are you sowing in your neighbors, in your friends? What are you sowing in prayer? Your prayers have a massive effect. Are you praying? What are you praying? What you sow, you will reap. I love what it says in the verse before. It says, do not be deceived in verse 7. God is not mocked for what one sows, that he will also reap. In other words, yes, if you sow junk, you'll get junk. But if you sow good stuff, you can guarantee you will reap a harvest worthwhile. God has not forsaken you. So God calls, he shapes, he hides, he positions us. You know, I, I have to say this, I think it's just kind of fun. I, I, uh, I felt like maybe I was supposed to get a degree, and, and I, it's, it's hilarious. My sister, Melanie, she skipped two grades in high school. She graduated with a three, uh, th- uh, from university with a 3.98. The only reason she graduated with a 3.98 is because she took a piano class, and she got an A-, and when she asked about the A-, the professor said, oh, I only give out two A's, and so that's why she got the A- from university. Super smart. And yet somehow, I'm the guy in the family now, I, I, I ended up going back and getting a master's, and the only reason I did it, I didn't want to do it, but I was, I was praying, and, and I went to school, and there was this, there, I went, and I, I was given a scholarship, and I was talking to my parents one night, and I said, you know, mom and dad, I, I, I don't know if I want to do this degree thing. Like, I don't know, I, 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 Melanie should do it, she's the smart one. <laughs> and so I, I end up, I, I have this prayer call at, at five in the morning, at this prayer call. And there's like 300 people on this call. I dial in. And the first thing I hear is this lady. And I was, I was attending an online school, Regent University in Virginia. And get this. This lady says, yeah, I just, I just feel like this is for somebody on the call. Um, I, I went to Regent University in Virginia uh, a little while ago. And, and I just felt like God told me there's someone on this call that you're supposed to get a master's. And you're supposed to continue. Don't stop your education. Go get your master's. And I'm like... Well, that's pretty clear. <laughs> and so I did it, and it was hard. And I started working on the first class, and it's really hard work, and I'm not really doing that great. My grades are okay. And, and so I'm doing it, and then I became a youth pastor. And I remember I was sitting down in my office one day. 
I had just finished working a fireworks stand. We had a youth meeting thing coming up, and I was working on a paper. And in, I think I scared our secretary down the way, but I screamed in my office because I was having a mental breakdown. I was so stressed out from all the work. I was so stressed out. Here I am. I'm trying to do the right thing. Everyone been there like, I'm supposed to do this. I'm trying to do the right thing. And I threw up my hands and I said, God, I can't do it. I give up. And I actually said this, God, I don't care if you told me I have to do this. I can't do it. I'm done. So I, I turned off my computer. I didn't finish the class and I left it behind. And I'm like, well, here I am. I, I you know, there was this great word. I'm supposed to do this thing, but I, I can't. I can't do it. We have five years to get a master's degree in, a, in that program. About four years in, I get this email, and I had not been doing school for about eight months now, eight, nine months. And in it, they said, yeah, Jeremy, we just wanted to let you know that we've changed the requirements of your degree. And I start looking at it, and they cut all of the requirements in half. And the timeline, the papers, all this stuff, and I looked, and I would actually, if I started right then, finish my degree the very last semester that I was supposed to. You see, when God said I was supposed to do that degree, even though I said, forget it, I can't do it, God still supplied a way for me to do what I was supposed to do. He hasn't left you. He's not going to leave you alone. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you give you a hope and a future. He will supply. If God said it, he's going to supply for you to do it. <clears throat> Even if your sister gets a 3.98 and you get like a 2.7. <laughs> he's faithful. Actually, I got a 2.9, not 2.7. <clears throat> and, then, and, then, and then university, I got a 3.5, so I did a little better. Um, <clears throat> He prepares us. He positions us. He releases us. You know, Darcy said this on Tuesday. In archery, there's this word called sin. And we think of sin. We think of, you know, really bad things we do. But sin actually means in archery to miss the mark. When someone shoots at a target and they miss it and they hit something else, like if I hit James instead of the target, um, <laughs> um, that's called sin. And that's what it is too with God in our life is he has made you as an arrow and you're meant to hit a very specific target in family, in occupation, in glorifying him with your skill set. You were made for a specific target. The question I had for myself and for you this morning is, do you know the target? Can you see the target of what you're made to hit? I know this is in part, part of all of our target. But God, Isaiah's target was this. Say to the prisoners, come out. To those who are in darkness, appear. That was Isaiah's really hard job. Say to those in darkness, come out. Say to those, say to those who are prisoners, come out. Say to those who are in darkness, appear. And then you know what happens after that? They shall feed along the way, and all the bare hearts shall be their pasture. They will not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who, ha who has pity on them will lead them by springs of water and guide them. Catch this. Isaiah's job wasn't to free the prisoners. 
It wasn't to make it very bright. It wasn't to change everything. Your job is not to be the savior of the world. Your job is just to point them to the one who is. And from that place of him just simply being obedient, walking over and saying, come out, up here. Good job, Isaiah. From there, God's like, I'll take it from here. This is my calling and this is your calling. Just do the simple thing that he tells you to do. Just take that step. Do that thing. What is the target that God has for you? There's two things in this. One, there's God's general will for your life and God's specific will for your life. God's general will for your life is that you would honor him with your body, your mind, that you would be a person of thankfulness, <clears throat> that you would pray, <clears throat> that you would make him known, <clears throat> that you would not have a smoker's cough. <clears throat> but there's a specific will for your life too. You know the story about Moses? Moses lived 40 years of being prepared as an arrow. And as he was getting prepared in Pharaoh's house, he was learning all sorts of things with military. He was learning all sorts of things with leading people. 40 years, God prepared this man. Then everything seems like it falls apart. And for the next 40 years, he's still being prepared. But you know what he's doing? He's leading sheep for 40 years. He goes from the place of preparation to the place of hiddenness. And then one day while he is out walking, he sees what? You know the story, a burning bush. And when he sees the burning bush, he does this. He says to himself, I must turn aside to see this thing. I got to turn aside. In your mundane, normal, going to work, brushing your teeth, folding your laundry life, there's going to be burning bushes. There's going to be experiences and spaces where something's going to catch your eye. And that could be as simple as God saying, hey, see that person over there? Buy them lunch. See, you know, or a calling, hey, come away with me, come pray. Or, or it could be any space where the nudging of God strikes our heart. Those are the burning bush moments. And God is looking for people that will turn aside in those moments to see what's God going to say. Moses comes, he turns aside, and he receives the specific calling for his life. I want you to go as a deliverer for my people. He was 80 years old. And in that space of turning aside, he received exactly what he was called to do. Guys, some of you need to just try, take time to turn aside and say, God, what are you saying? What is your specific plan for my life? God is calling us. Do you hear him calling you? He's shaping you. I promise you the pain is for your good. It's not for your harm. Trust him when he shapes. You know, you know, it's a really important verse when life is in transition. God, for God works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In the midst of the transition, in the midst of the change, don't get offended. He calls us, he shapes us, 
He hides us. Darcy, you're the best. In that place of hiding, he isn't forgetting you. He's protecting you. He's saving you for the right thing. Here's a good word for myself. I'll preach this to me this morning. Maybe it'll be good for you. Stop spinning your wheels so much. Sometimes we try to make stuff happen, and all you're doing is getting yourself worn out. God will open the door for all that he has for you, but just stay present with him. It said here, it says that he has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. That means the place of hiddenness is an invitation to relationship. It's a space where God's saying, just come hang out with me. Come be with me in that space. You and I are going to connect. Because folks, that's the whole point anyway. Relationship. Preach it, cat. He hides us. He positions us. I've watched people, and I've noticed that God always promotes those that take the low place. There's this, there's this uh, parable that Jesus says, he says in Matthew, goes to a Pharisee's house, and he says, when you go to someone's house, don't take the seat of honor, but take the low seat. So that then your friend who sees you will say to you, hey friend, don't sit there, come up here. But if you take the high seat, they might come to you and say, hey friend, I actually reserved that for somebody. You need to take a few steps down. When I try to promote myself, it doesn't work. And folks, if you try to promote yourself, you have to keep the energy up to keep yourself promoted. But when God promotes you, it takes no effort. I can honestly say with everything with Bless the City, Raquel and I have not tried to do this. God has put us here. In fact, I actually said to my wife when we were dating, I said, hey, what do you think about church planting? And she said, yeah, that sounds great. And I said, I think it'd be a horrible idea. No, I changed my mind. It's a good idea. I'm glad I'm here. But God will promote those who stay positioned with him. And lastly, he releases. He calls, he shapes, he hides, he positions, he releases. But do you know the target? Do you know the target that God is calling you to? That target, by the way, can also change. God can have a target for you here and complete that assignment, and then now it's the next thing. Moses knew the target of his life because he turned aside. Will you take the space and the time to turn aside and allow him to speak to you, hey, this is what I have for you specifically? You want to all stand on up? I want to say on, on November 19th at Life Church Bayside, we're going to have six churches for six hours, 6 p.m. to midnight. It's going to be six hours straight of worship. Really good time, really good space to turn aside. If you're not sure what God has for you specifically, I kind of encourage you, just come and hang out for six hours. Maybe you got two, but whatever. Come and seek God for that time. Why don't y'all close your eyes, and I want to ask you a few different questions, and maybe just raise up your hand as, as God speaks to your heart. 
Maybe you're in a space today and you're like, I just, I don't, I'm not hearing God. I need to hear him call me. Can you just lift your hand? I just really need to hear him. Awesome. Secondly, you're in a place and you're, you're just feeling like you're getting stretched all over the place. And you're just, everything's a lot of transition, change, change. You're getting molded. That's you in this place. Can you lift your hand? Yeah. Thirdly, you just, man, you just feel hidden. You're like, God, where are you? This place is dark. What's going on? Can you lift your hand? Yeah. Lastly, uh, position and uh, release. How many of you are like, man, I just, I just don't know the target. <laughs> I want to know the target. Can you lift your hand? God, we, just, we come to you today, and um, I just thank you for the honesty of every person in this room. God, like Moses, we want to turn aside. God, I pray that your voice would be so loud, and the voices, all the other voices would get stilled in Jesus' name. God, I pray for anybody in this room, God, where you're in a, they're in a space, God, of, of maybe brokenness, God, and you're, you're healing that arrow. You're you're sharpening that arrow. You're putting some wisdom, some feathers on, the, on that arrow. We just pray, God, that space of strength to them. I, I want to encourage them, God, that season won't be forever. God, to anyone in this room in the place of hiddenness, I, I just feel like God is saying, let this word be a mark to you. You will not stay hidden forever. This is just a season. It's a season. But step into the place of friendship with me in this. I'm, you're in the shadow of my hand. Don't neglect the space. And lastly, God, we just pray, God, that this place, the target, the specific target that you have for each one. Lord, speak to us. Your servants are listening. Show us the target, the specific targets you have for each one. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Do not despise the day of small beginnings. He who is faithful in little can be trusted with lots. Can we put our benediction up on the screen? And we're going to pray this together, and then we'll go out in the rain. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. So good to see you.